So thank you for joining us online. Thanks for joining us in this room. My name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at MCC. And thank you for those of you who have helped us observe National Ugly Christmas Sweater Day, which, by the way, was this past Friday. This is just observed. Today's just an observed day. Uh, and if you're wearing your ugly sweater with us online, would you take a picture of yourself and put that in the comment section of the feed? That would be awesome, and we will share those later. And I just got to say, this is like one of those dangerous weeks because uh, you go up and tell someone you appreciate their ugly Christmas sweater, and they didn't think it was. Uh, that's, I mean, ah, wow. So I gave, in case you missed it, I gave the history uh, of Ugly Christmas Sweater, National Ugly Christmas Sweater Day. I gave that the first week and only received a few complaints about sharing that, mostly from my wife. Uh, that's not true, that's not true. She hangs on every word that I say. Uh, but we called this series, if you've missed it, we've called this series Ugly Christmas Sweaters because we're talking about the ugly that goes on in people's lives, especially the ugly at Christmas. And so that brief history I shared, if you didn't catch that, I hope you'll go online and catch that message. We talked about busyness as well. The last week, Rich talked about uh, the ugliness of the blues and how it can make this time of year just not great, it can make it horrible for you. Uh, but that's what this series is really all about. Each year we celebrate and we decorate with you know, bright lights and with trees and we, we wrap with great colored paper on our gifts. And studies show that people's spirits actually are higher. They're actually more generous during this time of year. And that is great. But it's not true of everyone. And my guess is, even if it is true of you, that my, if I had to guess, I'd say there's probably still an ugly side of Christmas for you. There's something going on. There's a thread that gets woven through. And we don't want to talk about it. We, we try to ignore it in our lives. And during this time of year, it has the chance to make the, to the birth of the one that we come to celebrate. And it can mar that celebration. And he loves you too much to want any of his kids living in darkness or avoiding the light. Or even actually trying to hide the ugly that might be going on in your life. So today we're going to talk about the ugly of loneliness and where it shows up in the Christmas story and what can help with that. Now, I, I want to say I think it's fair that all of us have times when we want to be alone. Have you discovered that? There are times that you actually want to be alone. Moms with little ones, I promise there's going to come a day when you get to go to the bathroom all by yourself again, and it will be wonderful. Uh, but I think that we've also all found that if we don't get some time to ourselves, right? A little bit of time to ourselves, we can get a little ouchy, a little irritable. Uh, uh, and, and all of us need some time alone where nobody is asking anything of us. And I think we would all recognize that there's good alone time and there's bad alone time. Uh, now, the reason we're addressing this is because loneliness is a common everyday experience for some people. So I put some information in the notes on the YouVersion Bible app, but loneliness has been called the dirty little secret of our culture. And it's not someone else's problem. A post-pandemic look at the state of loneliness in the United States finds that more than half of the adults in the United States, 58%, are considered lonely. The AMA said that even though people are becoming more connected through social media and other outlets, the great irony is that many people... Even with all of that connection electronically, they still feel lonely. And that loneliness, in turn, can have 
far-reaching implications on our health and well-being. A 2021 online survey found that 36% of all Americans, including 61% of young adults, 51% of moms with young children feel serious loneliness. And the Center for Disease Control and Prevention found 63% of young adults also suffer from significant symptoms of anxiety or depression, which means we have a whole generation of young people who are hungry for deep connections who often don't have the skill or the opportunity to actually achieve that. And listen, it can, loneliness can be an overwhelming emotion, especially this time of year. And it might only last five minutes. It's that walk from the store to your car at night in a dark parking lot. It can last for five hours, a Friday night where you have absolutely nothing to do and everyone else seems to have something to do, but you don't. It can last for five years if you're an empty nester or you've had a job change, you've had a move across the country. So I put this in the notes. Loneliness is the feeling that nobody knows me or nobody cares about me or nobody knows what's going on deep down inside of me. The AHA said social isolation and loneliness are associated with 30% increased risk of heart attack, stroke, or death from either. And maybe you would agree with this statement. Loneliness is the most desperate of all English words. And it's and it's compounded at Christmas time because it's the time of year when families are getting together and we picture everyone around the table with others laughing. But loneliness at Christmas is not new. And we're going to see that in our verses today, by the way, and also what we can do to overcome that loneliness. So if you have your Bible with you, Matthew chapter 1 is where we're going to be. Those notes are also in the YouVersion Bible app. I encourage you, if you haven't yet, to download that app, to go ahead and do that. That way you always have the Bible with you. Uh, and then you can also see the notes for what we're talking about today. So Matthew chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 18. This story may sound familiar. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant. But Joseph, because her husband was faithful to the law, yet didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So we're going to stop for a moment because I want to make sure that you notice right away that you might feel lonely at Christmas because someone that you trust has betrayed you, which by the way is what happened to Joseph. He felt loneliness. He was in his hometown of Nazareth and he thought that someone that he trusted had betrayed him. Now, I only read the first part of verse 18. Because that's all Joseph had. That's all the information he had available to him at that moment. That's a, again, verse 18, Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant. Now, we find out that they were pledged. She was pledged to be married to him. That pledging is kind of a foreign uh, idea to us. Uh, it was a formal prenuptial contract entered into by witnesses. It actually gave Joseph legal rights over Mary that could only... Uh, be broken by a formal process of divorce in their marriage process, not ours, but in theirs. It was actually part two of a three-part process. Usually happened when a girl was between 12 and 13 years old. It lasted about a year. And uh, it's short of marriage, which was the third and final phase of the relationship. And during this time, Mary would still be living with her parents. And the two of them, Joseph and Mary, could not be involved sexually. You know, we relate their engagement to our culture of dating, falling in love. And we wonder why Joseph didn't trust her or at least entertain the thought that maybe she was telling the truth. But in the Jewish culture of the first century, the parents arranged the marriages. The couples didn't date. 
I suspect in the small town of Nazareth, Mary and Joseph knew each other, but they would never have been left by themselves to have any kind of intimate conversations. And when Luke tells the story, he gives a detail that Matthew doesn't. In Luke 1, we read, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea. And then when Mary returns three months later, verse 18 of what we're looking at, it says she was found to be with child. In other words, she'd begun to show. It was obvious that she was pregnant. So put yourself in Joseph's shoes here. Mary had left town. We have no recorded goodbye uh, to him, still reeling from the angel's announcement to her, uh, trying to process it. Uh, she didn't inform Joseph of the angel's message. He probably found out from her family that she had gone to the hill country to visit you know, an Aunt Elizabeth that maybe he had never met. She's gone for three long months. She returns and is visibly pregnant. And so Joseph draws this obvious, although wrong, but it seemed obvious to him, conclusion that while she was away, or maybe even before she left, that she had met someone else and been unfaithful to him. Can you imagine how lonely Joseph must have felt when he discovered that Mary was pregnant? You know, people all around us will feel lonely because someone they trusted has been disloyal to them. A young man finds out that his fiance was unfaithful two months before their wedding, and he's lonely this Christmas. A father of four walked out vowing he would never return. A teenager takes their own life, and his mom and dad are just entering the, enduring the holiday season. A local employee is suddenly downsized, and their child was heading off to college this next fall. A widow sitting in a nursing home and holds this generic card that has the signature of her child who never comes to visit. A wife married to an alcoholic husband for 25 years decorates the tree, but on Christmas Eve he falls alone, falls asleep on the couch again. And she knows that she will spend this holiday basically by herself. Maybe you have felt much like David when he wrote these words in Psalm 102, I lie awake, I'm like a lonely bird on a housetop. And we know, we know you don't have to be betrayed by someone else to feel lonely. It's the soldier that's stationed in a foreign country during the holidays. It's an inmate in a cell. It's a divorced person who's alone on Christmas. It's the widow who just lost their life companion. It's the couple whose arms ache for a child, yet they've never been able to have one. It's the single career-minded person who's alone in a new city. Or the executive who uh, ha has been incredibly successful but doesn't have any real friendships. It's the stroke victim alone in the nursing home. It's the missionary trying to gain a foothold in a predominantly Muslim country. It's the married person who just heard the words, I don't love you anymore. You can be lonely in a crowded mall. You can be lonely at an office party. You can be lonely sitting in church on the Sunday before Christmas. Listen, there are other causes of loneliness. I've put a few more in your notes. One of them is our society and how much we move around. We tend to move around a lot. I'm wondering, would you raise your hand if you've been in your house, the house you live in currently, have you been in there longer than five years? I'm just curious how many of us are. Look around the room at the, the hands that are not up. We change jobs way more quickly than we used to in our culture, and with that comes more moves. I read about a woman who said, I get so tired of saying goodbye, I just stopped saying hello. And maybe you've experienced that. Another cause is busyness. It's not that we don't want to cultivate friendships or, or invest in other people's lives. It's, we're simply overwhelmed with the pressure from work or the kids or from ball practices or housework or homework or business trips to just squeeze one more activity into our schedule. And the pace only increases in December. 
Maybe it's independence, especially in guys. We're programmed to believe we can do it on our own. We don't need anybody else's help. Matter of fact, admitting that we need help is kind of a sign of weakness. We learned a lot about competition growing up. We didn't learn a lot about cooperation. You know, there are a lot of others, but the last one in the notes is relational problems. And maybe you've been hit with some of this, sinful habits like gossip or envy or selfishness or unforgiveness. All of those undermine this sense of connection that God wants for his kids. Prejudice due to race or income or social status can draw us towards some people and away from others. And we see that in the culture around us all the time. But what's sad is when it makes its way into the church as well. For those of you who've been around MCC for a while, it's easy to settle into your own circles. <laughs> but that leaves others out. That's why we have to make this conscious effort to be good hosts and hostesses, to enlarge our uh, circle of friendships, to be on the lookout for people today, this week, uh, who maybe look lonely or confused or a little lost, or at least you just don't recognize them so that you can say hello. Think for a minute about the characters in the Christmas story. You know, Mary was still a virgin when she became pregnant. She could have raised Jesus by herself, but God made sure Joseph was on board so that he could love her and protect her and provide for her and help her because they needed each other. So the question becomes, there's a lot of reasons to be lonely. What do we do about that? Uh, how can we help others? So first is this, uh, help people feel significant. Help them feel important. Bring out the best in someone else. When Paul would write to the church in Philippi, he wrote, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves. Give that a shot this week. Here's another thing you can do. Smile. Right? I mean, Proverbs 15 says, a happy heart makes the face cheerful. There is enormous power in a smile. It's a universal language. It's understood in every culture. When you smile at somebody, there's a really good chance they're going to smile back. So let's try that out this morning. Turn to the person next to you and smile. Okay, we'll practice later, all right? Um, that's always true, by the way. That is always true. But it's especially true at Christmas time. So give that a shot. Let me give you this one as well. Listen well to people. Don't, when I, don't, don't just kind of listen. Listen well. A couple months ago, we were in the book of James, and we were reminded that we need to be uh, quick to listen and slow to speak. If you ever wanted a formula for success in any of your relationships, whether it's a friendship or a dating or marriage, you need to listen well. So try this. The next time you're invited to a party, maybe it's an office party this week, or maybe it's with family this week. Find somebody that either you've never met before, maybe someone has brought something, uh, something someone to your uh, family gathering or your office gathering, someone you don't know or someone that you don't know well at any rate, and then get them talking about themselves for like 20 minutes. Don't say anything about yourself. Just draw them out. Get them talking about themselves for 20 minutes and then walk away. Well, don't just walk away because uh, that's not cool. Um, probably respond in some way. But if you listen to someone for that amount of time and, 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 and just bring out their story, they're going to think you're the greatest person in the world. Do you know why? Because you were interested in them. You didn't need to spend a lot of time just talking about yourself. 
You actually wanted to hear something about them. All right, here's one more. Hang with them through thick and thin. Proverbs 18 says, there are friends who pretend to be friends, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I want to say, it's exactly what Joseph did with Mary in this story. Verse 19, Joseph had the right to press the issue. In fact, he could have had her stoned for fornication. That's what the law said was permissible, although by the first century that was more threatened than it was actually practiced. But he could have publicly humiliated her, called for an annulment of the engagement. By the way, that would have saved his reputation because at this point everyone thought Joseph was the dad. Would have saved his reputation in the process. But four words in verse 19. He was faithful to the law. Joseph was faithful to the law. That means he was a just man. One who does what is right. It implies that he was kind and, and tender and compassionate, merciful. He knew what the law called for, but as hurt as he was, he still loved Mary and he wanted what was best for her as well. So he decided just to do this divorce quietly. Verse 20 says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. You know, it was after that dream that Joseph was certain he was walking in the will of God. Didn't mean it was going to be easy, but he knew he was following what God wanted. And he was reminded of this truth that we need to be aware of. Because following Jesus isn't always easy. But we need reminded of the truth that we are never alone. So if you want to live on mission this year at Christmas time. When it comes to this idea of loneliness, you know, if you're feeling alone, can I just say, don't wait for someone to come to you. Don't sit back and wait. You go to someone, invest in them. Help them feel significant. Smile. Be a good listener. Stick with them when the going gets tough. So let me ask you these two questions. Do you know someone who is in need of a friend? Or do you need reminded that God is always with you? And this isn't on your notes, but there's another reason people feel lonely at Christmas. In a word, it's sin. Maybe you have become keenly aware of something that's going on in your life that is negatively impacting your relationship with God. And honestly, Christmas just turns the volume on everything up. And if you... If you'd kind of sensed it before, you're really sensing it now because the story of Christmas, of Emmanuel, is that God is with us. And, and you sense this separation because of whatever it is. And if that's you, can I tell you, you don't have to stay where you are because he loves you. And Christmas is just a reminder to us that he came to rescue us from our sin. And so before we come to our time of communion, I hope you'll hear the words of the song that our team is about to sing. And maybe, maybe it would be helpful to you to sing it with them as a reminder to yourself 
as a reminder to everyone around you, reminder to those who have joined us online, so that we do not forget the truth that God is with us.
remind you this morning that uh, loneliness can be an ugly Christmas sweater. But for those of us who belong to Jesus, you do not, you do not have to put it on. That is the story of Christmas. Christmas reminds us that we are never alone. I mean, the whole Gospel of Matthew is bookended by that truth. In the very first chapter, we're reminded that Jesus was to be called Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. The last chapter of his Gospel, Jesus is speaking to his followers and said, Surely I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. I will always be with you. So for those who are struggling with loneliness, maybe, maybe that feels like a lie. You don't feel like anyone's with you. But if Christmas reminds us of anything, it reminds us that God tells us the truth regardless of what your feelings say. And God said he is always going to be with us. That you've never done anything so bad that he would turn his back on you. You've never gone so far that you can't get back. You've never thought or said anything that would make him not love you. And then he sent his son to be born of a virgin, to live a sinless life, to die a horrible death on a cross, and to be raised three days later just to prove just to prove that what he says is true. And so we're going we're gonna to remember that. Because as we go into the Christmas, the weekend, it is vitally important for us to remember not just who we celebrate, but why we celebrate his coming. So we'll pray, and then we'll do this together. Father, thank you for this season which does remind us just how much you have loved us, that you would put on flesh and become just like us, be tempted just like us. I think probably you understood loneliness just like we do. You were the only one of your kind here. Thank you. Jesus, for giving up the glory of heaven to come to earth, to become a child, that you might live a life that allowed you to die for our sins. Thank you for loving us so much that you would never turn your back on us. Thank you for giving your life, and thank you for promising your kingdom here on earth and to look forward to. And so as we celebrate Christmas this year, May we remember beyond any emotions we might be dealing with and even beyond all the brightly colored lights and the parties and the packages. Help us to remember that you are why we celebrate and we love you. Thanks for loving us. And Jesus, we pray this in your precious name. Amen. And so we take the bread that reminds us of his body that was took on flesh and came to earth for us.
the juice that reminds us of his blood that was shed for us on the cross that covers all of our sins and beckons us home. And so if you would, just take a moment to talk to him. Jesus, thank you that we get to remember this through a moment like this. How much you have loved us. And help us be drawn to this, through this, to you. And thank you for all the ways that we get to celebrate your birth. But help us never to forget it is about your birth that allowed for your death, that allowed for your life again, that promises us life here on this earth and life with you forever. Jesus, thank you for Christmas. And we pray this in your name. Amen.